0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers.
2: Gerardo, you've had a different journey here in one of the, if not the most uh, popular band to ever come from, your hometown of Austin. So what has your journey been like to get to where you are in your Sideman career?
3: Yeah,
1: I mean, I moved to Austin in 2005, and I was playing just in local bands for a good 10 years, and I mean, it was... <laughs> It was a jump from going to from the local scene directly to getting the the gig with spoon and I mean that was a it's a pretty life changing event you know first of all, it's like as a musician, how do you join a band that has that history and that has that reputation already right and it it's it's kind of a tough gig to just walk into because personally, like mentally, you have all these things like, am I good enough? Am I, do I deserve this? Like, what, how, how am I going to continue this gig and like be successful at it? And I guess at the end of the day, like Doc said, you know, my thing is to always over prepare because I don't want to suck. <laughs> Even though at the end of the day, you know, there's times when I do suck. Um, so yeah, it, it was just a, it was a pretty like I said, life-changing event in, in terms of what I was used to, where I was at, and then all of a sudden coming into this completely different machine, the way that it, everything works. Um, so it was, I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome.
2: So how did the gig come along for you?
1: So I've been friends with Jim Eno, who's a drummer, um, since pretty much since I moved to Austin. I came through his studio multiple times with different bands. And, you know, he's an amazing producer, and his studio is, it's like a world-class studio. So I had been coming in and out through the years, and through the years we became friends. He would call me in for session work, the stuff that he was producing. And eventually, one day he called me, he was like, hey, you want to get lunch? And I was like, sure. I just thought he was going to talk about a new project or something like that. And he was like, hey, we have an opening in the band. Would you like to audition? And I was like, yeah, why not? Um, And it it was funny because that weekend I was playing with uh, Third Root, which is one of the side projects of Adrian Casada. And it was like, I'd never heard this music. We had a gig with Third Root coming up in like two days. So I had to learn all this music. I was also playing keyboards for this band called Money Chicha and they had a two hour show So we had two hours worth of music that i had to learn and that like two days later i was supposed to audition for spoon and i was like "Shit, i don't know how i'm gonna i'm gonna have to let somebody down but you know again i just i just stuck with it i like practiced my ass off as much as i could and i nailed the audition and that's it i've been i've been with them ever since
2: (laughs) that's such a great story uh, Dan, do you have any uh, anything sort of uh, that sounds familiar for uh, how you got
4: to Ice Nine Kills? I mean, I'm, I'm in a unique position because um, almost all of the gigs that I've been, like, recognized for have all come from, like, internet situations. Um, Ice Nine came about from my previous work with my old band as Blood Runs Black, and because me and Ricky, the other guitar player for Ice Nine, had crossed paths in the past, he put my name in Spencer's mouth and Spencer reached reached out to me on Instagram and just offered me, like he said, we're, we're, auditioning people. If you want to check it out, go ahead and do it. Check out these songs. And I sent him the uh, audition videos within like two hours. And he was like, what the fuck? This is <laughs> a lot faster than we expected. And also um, are you interested in the gig? And it was like, it was completely uncalled for, but my previous gig with this blood runs black was also completely internet based. Like I, I connected with them just on talking online. And then similar to all these guys how there's just like a uh, an opportunity where there's an opening for an audition and you just kind of like you do your work to be the right person in the right place at the right time without any of those three things that's not going to work out so i feel like i got lucky and i had done the work and gelled with the guys and it just worked out awesome and it's been definitely the most fun band i've been a part of to date for sure had you
2: have you gone through lots of auditions and that sort of thing similarly before
4: Um, this is actually, um, amazingly, my uh, third actual band. Actual band, but it's because my first band, Fallen Figure, uh, we were supposed to sign with Metal Blade, and then I joined as Blood Runs Black instead. And then after as Blood Runs Black, I joined Iceland Kills. Um, So the string of bands make it seem like not too much happened, but like I was in ABRB for like nine years, eight years, Fallen Figure for like eight years before that. So it's, I think I'm, I'm, I'm loyal, if anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Mike, what's your perspective on the Sideman from the manager's point of view? Is is uh, Are you getting hit with unsolicited you know, videos and that sort of thing for the bands that you've represented over the years?
5: Uh, when there's an announcement that somebody has been removed, absolutely, um, if it's public. Uh, but, you know, I think my perspective is, um, You know it's it's a wonderful role to have somebody play and you kind of hit the nail on the head in your intro paul when there's money that's available to be able to pay somebody of the caliber that you want i think it's a win-win for both sides um you know as a manager uh you know especially with a band like you know at the current time ice nine kills or like refused in the past had side men it's like they've got enough of an established identity really we need somebody to come in and be utilitarian at the very least you take a guy like Dan and you know from knowing Doc as long as I have and from hearing these other guys it's like and then from that place of like okay I'm coming in to do a job they start to add their own influence which is really when it's done tastefully is is a win-win for everybody
2: oh good I want to get into that and and a little bit later because I think that's an important piece uh doc was there an emotional transition when going from self-directed artist to sideman or were there other challenges that you didn't expect
3: i mean i think overall there can be a lot of advantages because you don't have the kind of you have less emotional investment you don't have to worry about dealing with the merch or booking the you know renting the bus or dealing with the trailer You know, you pretty much have to just show up and do the musician part, which is kind of when you have your own band and you're especially building it up from a DIY perspective. That's kind of what you dream of is when you can, man, it'd be nice just to just have to play. Um, You know, and I think one of the most important things it teaches you, you know, much from like, I guess you could make a lot of sports analogies in that you learn how to fulfill different roles. And there's a time to be the band leader. And there's a time to essentially be a support role, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been in certain situations like when I was out with that band, Tall, where I was out, most of the band was green and they hadn't really toured a lot. And so I had to become kind of the mentor guy and, and be, and kind of te- help teach people like, okay, this is how you kind of act on the road. This is how you kind of load your gear on stage. This is how you deal with the tour manager and, um, you know this is how you kind of act on a bus, just just little things that you don't even anticipate that you're gonna have to have to deal with um and yeah, and just kind of figuring out like I said, I end up kind of being the m d the musical director with a lot of my bands, partially because it's just my natural the way I uh approach things, but I think it's also in different scenarios, people find your skill sets almost innately I'm like oh that that person's good at this and you kind of have to do that but at the same time you also can't have uh, too many cooks in the kitchen you have to know when to shut up and be in the back and take direction and sometimes you know it's uh you know you have to be able to kind of swallow your ego sometimes you know and i'm like i said i i play in a band with two of the guys from metallica and sometimes you gotta just shut the fuck up and be in the back <laughs> you know you know, <laughs> and, and not in a terrible way but but it is you know so you have to like you know because part of being good is especially being playing acting like the rock star is knowing how, when to use your ego as like a surfboard to so you can perform well and be that person and then you kind of have to be able to turn that off in these in these other times when it's where you have to act in this lesser role
2: Owen, can you build on that a little bit? I mean, you're one of the greatest songwriters I've ever heard. How often do you sit in a room, like, in a, especially a rehearsal room, and you're hired in as a musician? How do you, like, find that that line to, that you need to straddle between where you feel you can make it better, but n- maybe even stepping beyond just that role as a musician?
0: Well, yeah, I, th- I think that um... – that sort of those nuances are what define professionalism i mean you know that's that's the kind of stuff that kind of blends we have to use our personality a little bit as a tool um to know when maybe your input is going to sound like you're overstepping or to know when maybe your input is is really what people are looking for to help kind of Work through a part or a recording idea or whatever. Um, it, 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 it's it's difficult. It's, it's it's just like it's just like reading any room or, or knowing your audience. You know, from gig to gig, you could work with a, an artist that is you know begging you to come help co-write the next album, or you could be working with somebody who is sort of begging you to stay home, <laughs> um, maybe. Figuratively or literally, um, and yeah, I don't. I don't think there's. It's case by case. There's no clear answer. And also, I think it's important to realize that you know the other people in the room. To know when your input is not even really needed, you know. Sometimes it should most of the time in music, you know, be the the best idea is the one that sort of makes it to the top. And, you know, I think a big part of professionalism is just knowing when it's somebody else in the room that is having that idea and knowing when it's you and knowing how to speak up and maybe kind of help influence things for the greater good.
2: And how do you uh, sort of value those contributions? Do you ever, you know, how do you approach a topic like publishing and songwriting credits in that sort of situation is is that a case of it's up, man.
0: you just you hope that the person that you're working with you know will be able to recognize your the value that you're bringing to it but it doesn't always work out that way I mean sometimes you take less of a percentage than maybe you think you deserve but it's you know you, you appreciate the opportunity for the work enough to where you know you're willing sorry my dog is barking you're willing to uh you know take some sacrifices on your side just to just for the opportunity but of course that's not every situation either totally hello tom may here host of future friday i've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band the menzingers where i've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people so i started a podcast